Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, November 18th, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer, Alicia Ramirez. Alicia, how are you doing? We haven't done a show together in a long time. You've been busy. I've been busy. What have you been uh, working on in the past few weeks? I've been writing away. I'm really excited for you to read what's going to be published in the next couple of weeks. But you can't tell us what it is, is what you're saying. It's a, it's a still a secret until publication day. Yeah, I, I uh-huh. don't like sharing details about it, what I'm working on until it's published. And I and I know it's there. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're like one of those actors who's like, can't wait to share my good news. Can't tell you what it is yet. So that's what that's who you are now. Is that right? For today, I <laughs> I am, but I, I don't like posting about it on social. Maybe just like, hey, I'm, I'm busy working. This is why I'm MIA. But... No, no, no. I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, no, I don't like <laughs> to talk about. That's why like, I never talk about someone I'm going to interview. Like, I never say I'm interviewing this person until it actually happens. Because who knows what can happen between the time it comes out of my mouth and the time it's supposed to happen. They could back out or an article could get bumped. So I totally understand the... Uh, uh, the apprehension not to jinx stuff like that. Yeah, especially if you've been working on it for a couple months. Oh, yeah, that would drive me nuts. But all right, well, we look forward to that. So whenever those things come out, we'll have to discuss those and we'll have people on your social media. In the meantime, folks, if you want to get all of your Broadway radio uh, podcast needs in the uh, Patreon feed before they hit the regular feed, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. All right, Alicia, let's get into the news because for the second day in a row, we actually have real life news about real life Broadway shows. Yay! I know, shocking, right? It feels weird. Um, first, the Roundabout Theater Company announced changes to their 2021-2022 Broadway and off-Broadway seasons, starting first with the move of the previously announced Broadway revival of Caroline or Change to this fall, well, this coming fall 2021 at Studio 54. The company will pair the musical with the long overdue Broadway premiere of Alice Childress's Trouble in Mind, directed by Charles Randolph Wright. Moving off-Broadway, RTC will present What the End Will Be by playwright Mansa Ra, who is formerly known as Jarabrian Holder, and uh, Dave Harris's new play Exception to the Rule will also be off-Broadway from Roundabout. The plays will be directed by Margot Bordelon and Miranda Heyman, respectively. Then, in the spring of 2022, RTC will bring the previously announced revival of 1776 to Broadway. The difference is, the last time that Roundabout discussed the show, it was to be directed by Diane Paulus. And while the Tony winner will still helm the project, she will be joined by Jeffrey L. Page, who had previously been credited as the choreographer. Also, the previously announced productions of Birthday Candles, starring Deborah Messing, Anna Ziegler's The Wanderers, and Sanaz Tusi's English will return to the RTC calendar whenever it's possible to add more things to the calendar. Now, Alicia, as I did with Ashley yesterday when the Manhattan Theatre Club announced their season, I want to take a look at how some of the creatives break down for what RTC announced on Tuesday. So, in their five shows... Four of them were written or co-written, in the case of Carolina Change, by women. Uh, Three were written by black playwrights. Three are directed or co-directed, including 1776, by women. And three are directed or co-directed, in terms of 1776, by black artists. So... Like we've talked about before, it's early, but the nonprofit companies seem to be at least attempting to address 
at least some of the forward-facing aspects of the systemic racism in their operations, Alicia, which I think can only be a good thing. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I'm still iffy about 1776, but the good thing is that they cast mostly BIPOC artists and predominantly female, trans, and gender nonconforming cast. And, of course, I love Diane Paulus. Despite the success of Hamilton, do we really need 1776? I, I hope somebody can prove me wrong. I, I will say, like, obviously this was originally supposed to come out in the f- this coming fall. Actually, probably has already happened by now in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And then it was going to do a little bit of a tour before coming to Broadway next spring slash summer. So it would have felt different, I think, in the midst of a presidential election and during and right after a presidential transition. But I have to say, like, a couple years ago, and I don't remember how long it was, three, four or five. I don't know how long it was. I saw an all-female version of 1776 here in Orlando from a fairly decent theater company, a professional theater company, and I was shocked at how well it worked. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I'd seen a a couple traditional 1776s before, but I was really kind of moved by how it worked with an all-female cast. And as you said... We don't necessarily know the exact Broadway casting for this 1776, but what we've seen with who was going to be in the original ART production, I'm assuming most of them will stay. We haven't had that confirmed, but it was uh, female and female identifying performers. Um, I'm optimistic. I, I have to say the production at the Mad Cow Theater here in Orlando really kind of uh, surprised me by how poignant it was to have women playing these these parts. So I, I understand the comparisons to Hamilton, and while 1776 is not nearly the same type of show as Hamilton, I think it works, and I'm I'm holding out hope that that Paulus and Page can figure out how to translate this show um, to a modern audience. And I'm especially interested the fact that Jeffrey L. Page had been credited as the choreographer, but he's been bumped up to a co-director. I wonder what that means in terms of how dance is going to be integrated, because. I don't think of 1776 as necessarily being a super dance-heavy piece, Alicia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in addition to everything from Roundabout, we did get some more news yesterday, and that is word that we had actually already discussed on an episode of Tell Me More, in which I interviewed producer Ron Simons, and that is that Keenan Scott II's play, Thoughts of a Colored Man, is slated to come to Broadway in a Schubert theater to be announced whenever theaters are able to open. The show will be directed by Steve H. Broadnax III, who most recently directed Katori Hall's The Hot Wing King at Signature earlier this year, um, which actually, I think it had its extension cut short because of the the, clo- the, the shutdown. I think so, um, yeah. But again, another play by a black writer, directed by a black director, and helmed, in this case, by a whole slew of black producers. So uh, I think that this is... Uh, another great addition to the season, and I hope that this proves to be the beginning of a trend, Alicia, and not just people doing lip service right after everything that happened and then resorting back to the very, very white status quo after they've been able to put one or two pieces up in the meantime. Yeah, um, for sure. I read the press release, and they said... It'll open during the upcoming season, which in an ideal world would seem vague. But right now, I think it's a good, subtle way to manage our expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because kind of like with your articles, like you don't want to say it's definitely opening 
um, in the fall, like you, I don't, you don't want to say what articles are when they're coming because you don't know what's going to happen between now and then. So I think it's coming in the next season at a theater to be named is a perfectly acceptable way to position things. Now, normally I would roll my eyes at that and be like, why are you giving me a press release about something with no details? But now in the middle of a pandemic, while we've still got six plus months, at least of the shutdown, that's fine. I'm happy that these things are happening. Yeah, I didn't see this play in Baltimore, but if Stephanie Ibarra of the Baltimore Center Stage was involved, mm-hmm. I think it means this is a necessary viewing. Yeah, she's the new artistic director there after working for years at the public. Uh, the show uh, premiered uh, in Syracuse at Syracuse Stage, I believe, and then went to Baltimore, where it picked up a lot of its commercial, um, a lot of its commercial backing. So I'm very excited. Uh, to see this one and uh, looking forward to what what happens in the future when all of these shows open up at some point and we can actually feel comfortable enough to sit in theaters. So it's been a while since you and I have talked. Are you still uh, apprehensive about seeing anything, whether indoor, outdoor, or are you starting to feel a little more comfortable? Still staying home. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I don't go anywhere. That's not like the grocery store. So uh Yeah, I'm with you. All right, Elise, let's move on to some other news. And we've got a whole host of things coming up here. First, it was reported by Entertainment Weekly that the great Spike Lee was reteaming with Stu and Heidi Rodewald for a new movie called All Rise, colon, The Untold Story of the Guys Who Launched Viagra. The trio, of course, previously worked together when Lee filmed Stu and Heidi's groundbreaking Broadway musical Passing Strange for HBO. I feel like that's at least a decade ago now. Um, yeah. it's still, it's still available. You can see it on HBO max. I believe it's great if you haven't seen it, but joining the team for this new movie will be playwright Kwame Kwai Arma, who will pen the screenplay, which is going to be based on a 2018 piece in Esquire. No timetable was released on the film, but knowing all of these creative geniuses working together, I cannot, uh, imagine it not being, uh, a really weird and trippy and yet fantastic piece whenever it makes it to a screen, large or small. Next up, we also learned on Tuesday that the Broadway Advocacy Coalition has teamed up with the Columbia Law School for a multi-year partnership with a full semester course offering entitled The Theater for Change, Reimagining Justice Through Abolition. Applications are now open to participants from any artistic discipline interested in learning how to use their own skills and expertise for social change. We're going to explain how that happens in a minute. The course will run from January 21st through April 8th of 2021, and all of the artistic participants will be compensated for their participation in the course. Now, how this works is in the class Artists will join forces with the law students and other community advocates to create performance pieces that envision a path to abolition and strategize how and where these performances can occur to achieve sustainable impact. Now, Alicia, I am not an artist and certainly not smart enough to attend Columbia Law School, um, so I am really glad that it sounds like these projects that the class is going to come up with will be at least looking to be semi-public at some point because this sounds like a a fascinating and really worthwhile endeavor um, that I'm glad at least some people outside of the classroom are going to get to see and experience at some point. Yeah, definitely. And it also opens the room to a broader conversation of who gets to be in these very elitist institution, especially if you're a person of color. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Very good point. 
Um, moving on, we got uh, some sad news that we unfortunately saw unfold on Tuesday, starting in the morning. There was a fire on the Jacobs Pillow campus in Beckett, Massachusetts, in the Berkshires. Uh, Jacobs Pillow is the oldest summer dance festival uh, in the United States. Um, and firefighters arrived, arrived at like 7 a.m. and fought the fire for most of the day. Fortunately, oh the fire was contained, but it did destroy the Doris Duke Theater, um, which was kind of one of the centerpieces of the Jacobs Pillow ground. Um, no one was injured in the incident, and a cause has not yet been determined. Obviously, the camp has been closed um, since March because of COVID, but this theater is 30 years old, and it holds um, two indoor theaters, um, and it's had a bunch of uh, dance artists, uh, arts professionals, and, uh, and artists that have come through there and done shows over the years. So I know this is a big loss um, for folks in the Berkshires and at Jacob's Pillow. And finally, in this section, Alicia, uh, my colleagues over at Broadway World put together a little bit of an article with an update on where we stand in terms of when the Tony Awards are going to happen. Now, we've been calling these the 2020 Tony Awards, but it sounds like that might not be a guarantee moving oh forward. I know um, this kind of started. Stop. It would be nice, wouldn't it, if they would just stop, but they have not done anything right so far, so I doubt they'll do this. Um, but in a recent interview with um, uh, Broadway League president uh, Carl, uh, Charlotte St. Martin, uh, she talked to Julie James from SiriusXM. Uh, Charlotte said, we don't have a decision date yet. Since we're not opening in March, we have more planning time. Of course, they announced the Tony Awards like less than a week before they announced that it was getting pushed back to June. So I don't feel like that's a legitimate explanation for why. No, uh, definitely not. It, it just seems silly. Um, and then a Tony Awards spokesperson told Broadway World, our timeline has always been fluid and the partners are working together to create the best possible Tony Awards in the tradition of the brand. Now, what, sure. what I've heard behind the scenes is that basically they have not booked a deal with a platform, a streaming platform to broadcast the Tony Awards. Initially, and I kind of hinted around this, but I'll go ahead and say it since it doesn't seem like they are... Um, in any way looking forward to doing anything, um, I'd heard that it was going to be broadcast uh, on CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming platform that is a paid service, but they were going to make this free for folks. Um, but that platform is turning into like Paramount streaming or whatever it is, just basically mm -hmm. getting a rebrand. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Um, but it just seems to me, Alicia, like this is such a weird Tony Awards. There are so many people that have issues with it happening at all. I'm I'm on record. I think they should have it, but I think they should do it intelligently. I think just do it. Find a website. Do it on YouTube. I don't care. Just it doesn't have to be anything super sp splashy or fancy. We saw with the Antonio Awards that you can do something really poignant and moving and yes. well produced simply. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, we. It doesn't need to be a television production on. Uh, online. It can just be a nice little celebration of the work that was done this season, while also focusing a spotlight on the people who have been impacted by the pandemic and by the industry's acceptance and acknowledgement of the systemic racism inside theater um, and call it a day and move on. I think that's the best way to approach it. And I wish that somebody at the Broadway League and the American Theater Wing would slap some sense into the people making decisions and just get this done. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. It's just, I, it's, they, they can't stop tripping over themselves and screwing things up. It's like, uh, that's like our third dual pandemic. We have 
COVID, we have racism, and now we have the Broadway League screwing things up. Yeah, and also for people like us who are covering the Tonys for Broadway <laughs> radio or other New work. York, yeah. You you think about it, are artists campaigning for the Tonys? Are they not? Like, should I move on yeah. from this article? It's it's really leaving everybody, literally everybody in the industry up in the air. Anyway, let's move on to some happier things. We've got a couple recommendations. I have one. You have one. Mine is going to come from my home state of Omeo, Omeo, oh, Central Ohio. This is actually in Northeast Ohio, but I'm from Central Ohio. Um, Baldwin Wallace, which is one of the best musical theater programs in the country. They pulled off a, a really super impressive production of Spring Awakening, despite being in COVID protocols. It's not pared down. It's not a table, a Zoom reading. What they did was is they filmed it all wearing masks, but they filmed it with iPhones and shot it kind of guerrilla style um, across 40 locations throughout Northeast Ohio. Um, obviously, they were taking in all kind of social distancing and personal interaction um, requirements and all of those things. Um, all of like the kissing and the sexual scenes have to be kind of re-choreographed. Uh, but this is going to be available for streaming beginning on November 19th. But there is a sneak preview uh, in the show notes that is really, really cool. Um, you can get tickets um, uh, for 20 bucks at bw.edu slash spring awakening. And um, it's uh, pretty incredible from what this preview looks like. And uh, I'm really looking. I don't love spring awakening myself. I, th I think I've seen it twice. And that was twice or maybe just once. I don't remember. I've seen it more times than I need to, but just the way that they're presenting this makes me feel like this is something that I want to check out. I'm curious, um, which version did you see, the Jonathan Groff or the revival with Deaf West? I saw the original national tour. So it had like obscene numbers of future stars in it. Um, it, it just the show doesn't work for me. I like the music. I like the energy. I liked the staging, but the show itself just didn't do much uh, for me. I felt the same way with um, with hair. Like I like the music. I, I like the idea of it, but the show itself, it doesn't do much for me. Those are two shows that I'm like, yeah, I've seen them. I've seen multiple productions of hair. At least I've seen Spring Awakening once or twice. It's fine. It's just not something that. Um, that works for me, but the folks, let me scroll down on my list here. Here's the people who were in the tour of Spring Awakening, um, that I saw. I had Christy Altamar, Taylor Trench, Kamiko Glenn, Andy Mientis, Ben Fankhauser, Jake Epstein, Christina Alabado, Anthony Lee Medina, and more. So like all of these folks who were Ooh. on tour, and I don't know if some of these were like, I think some of these had been involved with the Broadway production at some point. Uh, but on tour, like that's a great cast for 10 years ago or whatever. And a lot of those people have gone on to great things. But the show just doesn't it, it just doesn't do much for me. That's OK. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, now, <laughs> you have uh, a recommendation as well for a show that I know does it for you far more than Spring Awakening does for me. Yeah. And, and also this show doesn't really do it for you. So for so different reasons, I, I yeah. actually like. Uh, I like Jagged Little Pill. I just thought it was a little much. I thought it was a little jam-packed too much. Uh, but I like it much more than I like Spring Awakening. Okay, so there you go, folks. It's it's a recommendation about Jagged Little Pill. Um, I think that as a theater professional, when you have a publicist reach out to you, hey, do you want a copy of the new Jagged Little Pill book? I 
I think that says a lot about the work you do. And your so fandom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we all know we all know that you like the jaggy little pill. That's okay. Yeah. So <laughs> the folks at Grand Central Publishing sent me a copy of this coffee table book and I was like, oh my god, an uh, another coffee table book. This is gonna be so boring. Even though I like Jack Little Pill. But I was proven wrong, thankfully. This book has a Q&A with the cast, um, a lot of notes from Alanis Morissette and Diablo Cody, and it's all really, really fun. And, of course, it provides the influences and the significance of the album within the 1990s. Does it um, mention Dave Coulier at all? Sadly, no. Oh, I was hoping that she would d- put to rest whether or not uh, that rumor was true, but we'll have to wait for later. I don't I think suppose. she ever will. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, although, I mean, Carly Simon did eventually reveal who You're So Vain was about, but I think she did it mm-hmm. for charity. Um, so hopefully Alanis will eventually reveal that. But if not, I'm just going to keep thinking it was uh, Uncle Joey Gladstone. <laughs> All right, that is all that we have. Did you grow up with Full House in Puerto Rico? I watched reruns many years after the show. (laughs) That's a good point. You're way too young to have watched it when it was originally out. That's true. I watched it on ABC Family, if that's an indicator. Yeah, that makes sense. ABC Family now, freeform. Right, right, right. Yeah, nothing can ever stay the same. Everything has to change. Mm -hmm. All right, but that is all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWB. Matt, Alicia, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ARamirasGar31. And that is where you can find all of the pieces that she is currently working on, but will not tell us about just yet. So keep your eyes peeled for when they are eventually, knock on wood, hopefully published. Don't forget, you can head to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon to get every single episode of Broadway Radio in that feed before it hits the regular feed. And you can participate in all of our This Week on Broadway recordings. Have a wonderful hump day, everybody, and we will be back to talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.